0: AI and automation application. If I got 14 policy administration systems and I'm wiring it 14 times, that's not solving the problem, that is creating the problem. I need wire to a policy administration process and that needs to connect to those systems and then I can consolidate over time.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast, where the topic of discussion is always insurance innovation. So last week uh, was a surprise episode, Um, and you had an opportunity to hear a recording um, and, uh, uh, you know, something that we did for The Economist. Um, that's really talking about the opportunities to accelerate insurance for the future. So if you missed last week's episode, and if you're picking up on this one, I'd say go back one episode so you can catch the start of the discussion. Now, it was a long discussion that we had, again, with myself, uh, Sabine, Mark, Jan, um, and and Patrick, um, but it was a great one, and hopefully you all have been able to take away some great nuggets from that uh, first half of the episode. Um, So with that said, this is the second half of the episode um, uh, that you're going to hear today. Um, And and by the way, you know, I know a lot of you reached out to me um, after the podcast went live last week. Um, And, you know, uh, I I just wanted to say thanks for the reach out. Um, You know, continue to follow me on LinkedIn or or, or Twitter at Insurance Innovate. Um, And you can reach out on any one of the social platforms that, Uh, this podcast is on or or that I'm on, and, you know, we can definitely stay connected and and continue to, you know, really just uh, do um, and share some thought leadership together. Uh, You know, even before we get into uh, this episode, you know, you all are aware, you know, uh, there's been a lot of things that's been going on, you know, from publishing of white papers uh, to, um, you know, some of the upcoming uh, insurance innovation conferences that I'll be speaking at. One that's going to be in a couple uh, of weeks for carrier management on the 14th and the 15th, um, as well as I'll be speaking um, at the CB Insights conference, really talking to uh, Google's, um, you know, head of, of insurance solutions. So, you know, um, if you follow me on LinkedIn, you'll have an opportunity to catch that, um, and I will post the discussion um, there as well. So. You know, with that said, I hope you enjoy the second half of this episode.
2: That strikes me as possibly being a, a good stepping off point to move from looking at the relationship with the customer to looking at the, the way technology is changing. It's changing insurers within. So I think when we, when we had our sort of discussion earlier in, uh, earlier in the week, one of the things we talked about was how important it is to, to transform the internal processes of insurers. So where are, where are you seeing this having the most impact? So where is it in, in the value chain that most is being changed and most is likely to change over the, over the next couple of years? Is it in interaction with the customer? Is it in replacing all manner of informational chains within the business? Where, where are you seeing it?
3: Almost everywhere. I would say if I if I give a uh, start if I start on this one I, I would say of course with a uh, with a interaction of course and I agree very much with uh, Sabine it's about uh, extremely well designed micro uh, interaction and it's it's very difficult to do especially it's uh, maybe a, a place where uh, sometimes uh, uh, intro techs are, are in a better place than the incumbents in that uh, in that field uh, but there are many other Places uh, the uh, underwriting, obviously, I think it's uh, on commercial lines, the the lower market of commercial lines, and on personal lines, the underwriting I think uh, will uh, is more and more AI assisted at scale. The underwriters now have uh, new tools to to assist them on uh, their choice. Um, the the distributors, we're making the distributors much more uh, social and. Also, AI enabled by uh, trying to much more dynamically uh, meet the demand of the customers online and the the distributors uh, offline, um, which was a bit uh, static before. Uh, I think on claims, obviously, beyond uh, even fraud and uh, leakage, uh, there's the the example that I I gave before about the uh, acceleration of the settlement, uh, those kind of things. Um, and you could add to that uh, the externality, the new services that we are creating beyond um, the, the pure insurance on health, but also for SMEs, for corporates. So it's everywhere. The, maybe the last thing I would say is that uh, the most, maybe the most important, uh, but one of the trickiest uh, part of this uh, value chain that is being uh, changed is the product itself. The fact that the product is becoming uh uh an algorithm product as as an algorithm and being itemized and being able to be bundled unbundled, bundled etc will have a massive uh shift in the way we uh we approach the, the
0: yeah and to that point Jan, i i that that product is changing i i i completely agree it's everywhere i think it's everywhere in in particular orders right i um You know, the insurers are spending 50% of their IT budget, probably about a point and three quarters of premium just on their core operational systems. And then they're spending five times that on the people that are running those core systems, the underwriters, claims, adjusters, all the call centers, all those folks, right? They are running 14 policy administration systems today. They are running on eight different clouds today. It's a mess. And I think the insurers are struggling. They want to get to those new products. They want to get to those customer experiences, but they've got this—you know—not only the cost, but the inflexibility of that core environment is making it very difficult for them to to, to turn, much less secure, monitor, manage across that. And so, you know, the insurers that are planning ahead and thinking this through architecturally and saying. I'm going to have a hybrid cloud situation for the foreseeable future. I'm going to have some data in house. I'm going to have some data in private clouds. I'm going to have some data in public, and I'm going to have to figure out how to secure and manage and connect across all that. And I got to figure out how to get my core systems consolidated in that. That's that's the environment the insurers that we we deal with are are, are seeing, and the ability to sort of control across all that and manage across all that is just becoming increasingly important. You, you can't. One cloud's not going to solve it. One core system's not going to solve it. What's going to solve it is do I have the control across my IT range to have the flexibility to do all the good stuff we talked about in the first half of this discussion?
3: Sorry, I think on that... um, One of the biggest problems of the legacy systems is just the the resources and the focus it's taking from uh, incumbents and from insurance companies. Now, there there are strategies to to overcome this problem. I see uh, really a dual strategy that is emerging as far as I uh, can see. Um, On the one hand, you need to uh, modernize your uh, legacy. And for that, you just need to ring fence it and remove progressively some part of the intelligence out of those core systems and push them to the cloud or leverage uh, in short text for we were talking about fraud for example on claims you can use a lot of uh, outside tools. we have our, our own tools but you can put a lot of the key functionalities outside of your core legacy systems and leave it as a after some time as just a big database. And then for the new generation of products, new generation of customers, uh, then it's about leapfrogging. And that's the second part of the strategy, which is about uh, partnering with Introtech, uh, finding new generation of uh, systems that will allow you to do that at the same time as you are modernizing your core business. Now, it's all a question of focus and and resource allocation between the first part, which is very, very heavy, and the second one, uh, I couldn't agree more.
1: You know, I, I was going to just go back, you know, sort of like to the question that you're asking where the opportunities are. And, and I like to always remind folks that, you know, about two thirds of the economics that's being spent in the insurance industry is being done in the claims world, right? You know, whether it's uh, uh, the, the technology that's associated with it, whether it's the fact that, you know, um, how we're how we're paying claims and so on. And that's really where the dollars uh, should be spent in terms of servicing the customer that has that need but there's a significant amount of leakage when we think about the multi billions of dollars that's being spent which is due to the a lot of the inefficiencies that i would say um incumbent organizations may potentially have in, in their claims processes so you know if you look at a, a sort of a real life example i think about things like um you know, where the opportunity is to use artificial intelligence and cognitive capabilities within the, uh, within the process, right? You know, where there's immense amounts of data, you know, digital data, um, you know, w- whether it's in the form of text or, or videos or, or photos or, or whatever it might be, right, which requires um, an immense amount of computing power just to even analyze that information and, and to find potential patterns. So, you know, when we think about things like claims of justice, for example, when they're out and they're adjusting their claims and they're going back into their their systems and their technologies, they're putting millions upon millions of data points worth of unstructured text that could potentially be analyzed in a way that can help the carrier understand if there's something within their processes that's driving a a, a trend that's causing the claims out to be high. So maybe multiple comorbidities, for example, you know, within workers' compensation, you know, paired with, you know, potentially prescribing opioids and, and that potentially driving, right? So, so those are trends that can be gathered through the millions of, of, of um, unstructured text that's, that that's being input into these systems and that's being used. However, I, to the point that Mark made, you know, carriers just have to be prepared and ready to consume and analyze that data through creating uh, a more flexible and transformative infrastructure in order to drive that.
0: Yeah, and Abel, that's a great point, right? Because that that AI and automation application, right? If I got fourteen policy administration systems and I'm wiring it fourteen times, that's that's not solving the problem. That is creating the problem, right? I need to wire to a policy administration process, and that needs to in turn connect to those systems, and then I can consolidate over time. That's how they solve this. So. Absolutely.
2: Sabine, so I would
4: love to come. actually. Yes, yeah, so I would love to answer that question actually from, um, from a venture viewpoint, having been working with startups, um, in Insurtech for the past, uh, five years. So when Insurtech started, the focus was actually around customer engagement. And what they saw is that within the insurance industry, um, a lot of insurers, because they were dependent on their brokers, they didn't know how to talk to their own customers. And so I would say 60% of the startups I talked to and I sc- scouted a five years over 20,000 ventures, they're focused on the customer engagement. Today, it's probably gone into more emotional uh, microservices to really move up I, I would say the um, Maslowyashi of need, where we start embedding um, more understanding as to what the customer wants to need, but gradually um, a lot of those insurtechs started understanding how to to deal with underwriting and pricing. So to do this end demand, um, a lot of the modelling which came out were around micro segmentation, and now it's moved to climate modelling. And you know there is a lot of new modelling techniques which have not even been invented. I realise now uh, from doing a little bit of research around environmental and emission um, risks that we have a massive gap at the moment around how we are going to model uh, sustainability risks, which is coming which we need to address in the future but quickly then those ventures looked at claims um and uh started addressing the claims problem with object recognition evidence-based uh intelligence um now you know there's five thousand startups out there uh which are called insurtechs when i started there were probably a thousand but then when you start looking at technology um and Tech enabled businesses going into a variety of industries. You know, I have to look at wealth and I look at, I need to look at fintech as well. There are 70,000 of those fintech ventures out there and another million of tech. Uh, relevant for insurers, uh, which could solve for AI and cyber. So uh, the interesting thing is where the opportunity lies is is multiple. It's for sure around artificial intelligence and cyber, but it's also being mindful that we don't even know always what emerging risks are coming to us, and we need to continuously innovating and identifying where opportunity lies to differentiate, I think.
0: See, so, I mean, how, how are they going to scale that, though, we see working with a lot of our, you know, our larger insurers, right, the immense load of regulatory compliance and and of making sure all of those new models that, you know, completely agree, there's great opportunity to, you know, completely, you know, reinvent underwriting and not require, you know, it's, you know, not require blood draw for, for life insurance underwriting. You see models like Haven Life already doing that, right? I, I, but at some point they get big enough where they they can't live in the financial you know regulatory sandbox they've got to actually go be a you know an insurer that's got to comply with all these things how how are they handling that because we see we see a lot of investment and interest in our regulatory kind of cloud solutions and and you know that's what's kind of driving it I think how are the techs dealing with that
4: so I would say, you know, there will be, I think there would be some uh, consolidation in insurtech, right? As I said, there are 5,000 of them. Uh, they have raised around 40 billion. Um, often when you ha- look at insurtech or tech enabled businesses, um, some of them exit by being acquired by you know, AXA and big insurers out there. Um, Some actually, um so I tend to divide uh, insurtech, which are disruptors and innovators. So usually the number is around the disruptors, like, you know, big names we know, Lemonade, IPO, those are representing around 55% of the market um, in terms of valuation. And then you have the smaller one which represent around 45%, which are more of the innovators trying to plug into uh, an insurer's um, value chain. I personally think that there will be uh, some consideration around the the tech landscape. Some, you know, are building amazing capabilities to, for sure, work with large carriers, but some also are building those capability to to exit, right, to actually being acquired by either a tech company like IBM, or by um, an incumbent. And I've seen that happening. So MA is a big part of where those companies uh, are going. Um, now, when you look at, you know, what does that mean when you start to scale? Um, I think you need to look at it with, um, ecosystem. And so what we're actually seeing more and more is companies trying to, um, large companies trying to build their own ecosystem to become much more effective at leveraging the best of the best technology which is out there to become uh, more compliant with their customer needs.
3: And and from the perspective of a, a career, I would say that I think It's a great time for uh, intros, even traditional intros, because you have uh, one of the side effects of these uh, new cloud technologies and AI and everything is that suddenly you have a lot of tech companies that are actually offering uh, accelerators to your transformation and that you can tap into. And some of them uh, are now scale-ups. They're not uh, startups only, so you can start to scale with them and that's really uh, at the heart of our, um, our strategy to uh, reaccelerate part of the, the value chain in, in our companies. And uh, we're really positioned in trying to facilitate that move. And, and I'm sure that in, uh, in five to ten years, uh, five years even, uh, we'll have new uh, Salesforce.com, but of the insurance vertical that will be uh, well uh, identified in either part of IBM or AXA. I hope that for uh, one
4: of us. Yeah, insurtech as a service, right? And platformification is part of the game. <laughs> exactly. exactly.
2: And just to pick up on a point that Sabine made, there, is this an industry that's going to be get going to become increasingly consolidated, generally over over time. So, I mean, you, you, the same question gets asked in in banking as as well as insurance, doesn't it? Where you've seen these these um, uh, new uh, new companies being founded, new startups getting into an industry that that looked as if it was dominated by by big companies. Um, do you see a greater consolidation over time, or greater, or or or, or that fragmentation continuing? I mean, it, it, you feel as if the tendency in most industries at the moment, especially financial ones, is towards is towards consolidation. Does that look right?
1: You know, I, I, I would say um, I do think that we're going to see more consolidation over time, um, and not only at the, you know, the, the carrier level, but also in terms of the, the capital that can be deployed in order to consume some of these technologies and capabilities within SureTechs. So, you know, even yesterday, um, what came across the wires where there were two large organizations, um, you know, one, uh, and I, and I'm, I don't want to mention the name, but that was looking to make a $22 billion acquisition of another large organization. Um, you know, and those are, are are two very large carriers that were going down that path, right? There's a there's a lot of capital um, in the insurance industry that's swirling around that has the ability to be able to consolidate um, and then onboard uh, some of these technology capabilities that we've been seeing. You know, there or, there's even been organizations, for example, like Aon, um, you know, that swallowed up ha- a handful of in- insured techs, including CoverWallet, for example, that's really come in to, tra- uh, to transform distribution. You know, the, the same thing with what we've seen with both Penguin and, and, and their carrier suitors, right? So, you know, when, when I talk to um, other carriers, you know, at, I, the, the one thing that I mentioned is I don't necessarily fear the disruption that we're seeing from, from any of the insurtechs at all, right? Because I think that disruption, and I don't like to use the word disruption, I like to use the word transformation because it's really driving a true transformation within this industry. But as a carrier that might not be well capitalized, I would actually fear the capital from larger carriers that's really driving that um, competitive advantage from those larger carriers, because that capital then has the ability to onboard a lot of these transformational technologies and capabilities in order to you know, push that carrier into the future.
4: Uh- and i also see the the um you know the capital coming from investors right so i work with startups i work with corporates uh, insurers but i also work with a lot of investors and they are looking for uh, the opportunities right that they can invest in and which are going to become the unicorn of the future and so if you have money coming from you know the sequoia and the Anderson owens of this world to invest in in insurtech you are going to see more insurtech coming through and so there will be i think this unbundling we call it the unbundling of the value chain of insurance with expert doing a lot of different things across that value chain. And then hopefully at some point we are going to see a re-bundled business model with all the best of the best capabilities, uh, which are going to come out there. And, you know, yesterday I was running actually uh, a workshop and uh, we I had this haha moment because we we were actually uh, looking at um, what we call embedded finance, embedded insurance, and to deliver that business model, we had to combine a number of insurtechs out there. To build um, the business model of the future,
3: <laughs> I, I fully agree. I think we'll see more and more consolidation, consolidation in the insure tech because it's just a, by essence. Uh, but definitely, we're uh, more and more combining uh, different uh, capabilities uh, out there in the market to build those new business models. That's uh, day in, day out what we are trying to do on the when we are talking about innovating in an uh, in an existing uh, carrier, I you know I, I,
0: it's an interesting question. I, I if I were an insurer, I would be more scared of Amazon than I would be of any individual insure tech, right? I I, I the ability of the very large internet giants to be closer to the customer than I am and to monetize that. Right is you know confines me as an insurer ultimately to being a white label commodity provider right and the reinsurers are going to win that game so I don't want to do that if I'm an insurer um, you know I I I think the secrets in kind of what Sabine said about bundling of capability right I, if if I'm a large insurer an incumbent insurer it's tough for me to innovate in every area but it's easier for me to build an ecosystem that takes advantage of all the insure techs and 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 I look at the players that are gonna be successful, they're building out that ecosystem. They're not seeding the customer relationship and the end insured relationship. They're not sitting here in the old thinking of, oh, the agent is my customer. That that thinking's dead. And the companies that are gonna do well, right, are the ones where they leverage that ecosystem to forge a tighter relationship with the end insured. And in the end, insured might buy a micro product for travel insurance, you know, when they get their airline ticket and they might buy pet insurance when they get their pet, but they need the holistic backstop. They need the, the advice. They need somebody to say, no, that policy is overpriced and leaves you these holes. I'm going to backstop you with this coverage. Someone's got to provide that role. And I think the incumbent insurers are best positioned to do that. But if they don't amass that ecosystem, you know, and then no one's going to listen to them. So so I think it's 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 melding together all of those things and then going back to the IT, making sure your IT can move at speed because you're going to form partnerships and data connections and new products so quickly in that environment. You can't you can't be dependent on IT taking 18 months to code something. It's not going to work.
2: I've got. Uh, one eye on the clock. So I think I've probably come to the stage to ask the question that almost every moderator asks at some point, which is what do you think the industry is going to look like in five years time or 10 years time? But to try and make it a bit more, um, a bit, a bit more specific, I mean, we think about perhaps people or products that aren't insured at the moment in some way that thanks to technological advance or changes in income or changes in the external environment will be part of the market in five years time or some or some technological shift that is is happening at the moment which so so in in five years time we will see this happening this process happening that we're just not seeing at the moment what do you think are the most likely things that most likely place that the industry might be in in a, in a few years time in almost any facet you like, who'd like to go
1: first? So, you know, I'll, I'll go first, um, you know, so so I, I guess I'll, I'll try, to, try to answer this a little bit holistically, you know? So um, first and foremost, I guess the one thing I wanna make sure is that those carriers that are investing today in their digital transformation are gonna actually see that that investment is gonna pay off in five years time, right? So I'm saying that because if there's any carrier that's listening right now, you should be thinking about what you're doing today, right? Um, you know, so when I look at when I look at this a little bit more broadly in terms of like what new might be out there, you know, there are macroeconomic things that have been impacting uh, the way that the world works as, the, as well as the way that the the, um, the system of finance and the insurance industry will need to make sure that they keep tabling, you know, things like climate change, for example, um, and the impacts of that that could potentially further exacerbate people moving away from population or, or away from, you know, rural areas and into, you know, population centers, right? When you think about what's happening here domestically in California with the wildfires, for example, um, you know, I don't know what a product to support climate change is going to look like, but I darn sure know that that's going to be something that, you know, the, the industry is going to have to take heed of and really recognize that uh, they're, they're going to have to try to figure out a way to support that in order to, to protect uh, their, their broader portfolios, you know, so whether it's a parametric product uh, that that the industry is going to support, or so on. I'm just not sure what that's going to look like. You know, I, I do also think that though, um, you know, when we look at the trends that's been happening uh, just across the world, even outside of insurance, things like globalization, for example. You know, uh, when 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 we think about you know where globalization is is heading, you know, you no longer have to have a process that's here, let let's say in the U.S., um, that 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 that's really driving the way that organizations are are operating, right? Um, and so, you know, you don't even necessarily need to have a human do that, but you can use, uh, you know, technology and machines and, and, and so on in order to help to drive that. So that that's really going to wind up shifting, um, you know, where the, the, the burden of risk could potentially be, you know, wh- whether it's from a human onto the systems that are created in order to support, you know, technological you know, onboarding of technology and, and where that technology is throughout the globe. Right. So, you know, when you think about, you know, what we've been talking about earlier with the data and things that are being produced there, I think that the third trend that we're going to wind up seeing is that trend related to cybercrime and cyber risk. You know, we're just going to continue to see that increase globally Um, and uh, insurers and financial organizations and and carriers are going to try to are going to have to figure out ways in order to not only protect that data, but work within an environment in which we're continuing to see that increase.
4: Yeah, I would love to echo um, Abel on, um, you know, the climate change angle. So, you know, since last year, we spent a lot of time looking at the issue of climate um, because a few insurers asked us to look at it from a commercial lines viewpoint. And what we realized is the problem around sustainability is driving a transition economy, so transition risks where um, a series of emerging risks are actually coming to bear, which means that any insurers, which is out there, who might not have been looking at sustainability that seriously, uh, you know, part of this year CSR, part of the business, but not really strategic, onto the agenda now, I have to look at it uh, in a very strategic way, not just by uh, investing and you know delivering green bond and stuff like that, but really de- delivering insurance product and services to service their clients. So that theme around product and service design is, I think, going to become even more pronounced in the next five years, which leads to, therefore, looking at the insurer business model in a different light. That um, entails, you know, we talk about ecosystems, but now uh, you will probably see more and more insurers looking at how they build their own circular economy model, where instead of, you know, using and disposing uh, either internally within their operation or um, you know, working with their uh, value chain partners, they become much more careful as to how they reuse, recycle, and how they can design products and services which are aligned to what their customer need to demonstrate to the regulator in the future.
3: Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, we're we're not yet out of this. Uh, the current crisis, the COVID crisis, but what is sure is that we all and as societies we feel more vulnerable when it comes to health, when it comes to climate change, definitely, also when it comes to uh, financial inclusion and financial security, and that uh, as insurers, we have a, a huge role to play in there, in developing the products, but also the services. It's much beyond, maybe in, f- in five, ten years from now, we won't talk about insurance anymore alone, but about protection services. And uh, we have uh, through, we have, uh, for example, in Excel that are already delivering parametric products, but also uh, advice alerts to businesses as uh, linked to climate change, for example. Those those are uh, definitely uh, where uh, we as insurers uh, must play because uh, this is the, the expertise we can bring and this is where society is shifting and this is the, the, the need for purpose that uh, I think uh, most of us uh, are feeling when we're starting to see the light outside of the tunnel of the current crisis.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, my answer to that question, it's in the palm of my hand, right? And every one of you has your smartphone right next to you as you're doing this, right? I don't mean the app, I don't mean mobile, I mean, the closeness of that relationship, right? We have a number of technologies, and all of you have mentioned some of them today, right? Mobile, satellite, Starlink, parametric insurance, you know, payments providers, quantum, genome. There's lots of ways to get more information about our insureds and to help them, you know, uh, manage risk. Insurance needs to use that to be a guardian angel. It needs to sit on my shoulder. It needs to treat me like a sports agent treats their, their athlete, right? It's got to look out for me, it's got to help me prevent risk, it's got to help me avoid problems. And when a problem does happen, they'll help me fix it right away because they're so close, right? And companies, you know, the company that made this, right, is, is really good at making ecosystems, right? I, 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 You know, insurers need to think about that and say, how do I become the owner of the ecosystem of risk? Because if the insurance companies do not do that, one of these insure techs is eventually going to be big enough to start doing that, or Amazon's going to do it, or or Zhang An's going to do it. And, you know, and insurers are going to lose position. Whoever owns that ecosystem, that's the question that is going to determine the future of the insurance industry. So so Patrick, great question. I that's uh, our thoughts.
2: And with that, we're out of time. So thank you very much. Thank you to our panelists, Jan, Sabine, Abel and Mark. It's been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed I've really enjoyed taking part in it over the past hour. And thank you to all of you who have taken the time to tune in and listen to our conversation. And from me, Patrick Lane of The Economist, thank you very much and goodbye.
1: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast. I hope you got a lot out of it. And if you did, subscribe um, and go back to listen to some of the older episodes. I want to make sure that I thank The Economist as well as the sponsor, IBM, uh, for the opportunity to really talk about this topic of accelerating insurance for the future. So, you know, go follow me on LinkedIn and other social media, um, and then you can get some additional thought leadership. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.